would sacrifice the Enterprise. We've made too many compromises already, too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here, this far, no further. back to another random musings this is number 17 all right so we'll just get on with it here i just have some random stuff to talk about nothing really big here i previously mentioned how it was kind of annoying regarding my roadcaster pro 2 how you pay all this money for it right and it doesn't come with any kind of cover for it right not even the plastic cover which you need to buy separate and which you need to shell out the 50 bucks for it so what i ended up doing is just taking like a spare microfiber cloth from my cleaning rag collection and I just cover my roadcaster with it. Of course it's not as official looking nor does it provide any protection against any dropped objects on it. I really just want to you know keep the dust off of it and I don't know maybe sometime soon I'll shell out just the $50 and get a plastic cover for it make it look official or whatever get the official plastic roadcaster pro 2 cover or something who knows. And speaking of uh, Rode products, recently the Rodecaster Duo came out. And, you know, in retrospect, I, I guess I should have probably waited until that thing released, right? Because I'm largely just a one-person show. Occasionally there's another person on my podcast. But the, the Duo does the exact same things that the Rodecaster Pro 2 does. It's just smaller, and it has two fewer XLR inputs and channels. And, you know, uh, I think... Um, two fewer less smart pads. So it's a smaller form factor. It has two fewer of, you know, the inputs and all that. But on the, I guess on the upshot, it does have a headphone jack in the front, which is kind of nice. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to like sell my Pro 2 and go to the Rodecaster Duo or anything like that. I mean, I guess it's always good just to have more XLR inputs. And there's no real reason for me to buy the Duo since the Pro 2 does, you know, all the same stuff. It's just bigger. So, I mean, the duo would be nice, you know, if if you actually have a need for it. If you're kind of on the fence and you don't have the Rodecaster Pro 2, then, you know, and you're just, you know that you're only going to be a one or two person podcast or a show or whatever, then just get the duo. Don't bother with the Pro 2, right? It is a bit cheaper as well. Anyway, so there's that. But hey, whatever. I mean, I'm fine with the Pro 2. It's nice. It works as long as you just set aside some desk space for it. Anyway, moving on. So this happened a couple months ago. I almost got scammed by a YouTube comment of all things. So what happened was I was watching a movie reaction video on the YouTube channel TBR Schmidt and I left a comment with a film recommendation. I just said, hey, you know, if you like this film, you should also try out, you know, watching this film and yada, yada, yada. And I ended up receiving, receiving a direct reply from TBR Schmidt about contacting them on the messaging service Telegram. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I downloaded Telegram and I searched up TBR Schmidt and they came up and I contacted them and something about it seemed a bit off. So here's the thing. They had the, the picture that TBR Schmidt uses for their YouTube channel, you know, avatar and all that. And they said, oh, I've been randomly selected from their subscriber pool, you know, as the winner of, of all things, a Fender guitar and a MacBook. 
and they even like sent these pictures and all that. But I thought, oh, that's kind of weird, you know. But I so I declined. I'm like, oh no, thank you, right? I don't have any need for any of those. I don't play the guitar, you know. I don't need a need a MacBook or anything like that. So I'm like, no, 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 thanks. And like, okay, well, we'll give you a PS5 instead. And again, they sent pictures of that. And just something about this was striking me as really odd because I know that previously TBR Schmidt had done a prize giveaway for their 100,000 subscriber Q&A, but they already picked the winner for that one. So I'm like, I didn't realize they were doing another giveaway. And so I'm like, yeah, this seems really fishy. So feeling a little bit wary of this, I you know, decided to probe a bit more and I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? I didn't know there was another giveaway or anything like that. So I did some more questioning. And to be honest, the whole conversation just seemed a little stilted. It was almost as if I was like talking to an AI chatbot or something. Like if they were taking my responses and plugging them into chat GPT or whatever, I don't know. Or I was talking to someone who maybe wasn't quite fluent in English. But every time I tried to press them for some details about this giveaway that they were trying to, you know, give me something, I, you know, they gave me some real evasive answers, you know. So I, I told them I was confused, like, why had I won this, right? I wasn't aware of any of any giveaway going on. I asked them for some details about their prizes, and they just replied that, oh, you were randomly selected because, you know, you're a, you thought our videos were good and you're a loyal subscriber. And yeah, they literally said something stupid like that. So now things were really getting suspicious. And after getting nowhere with this line of questioning and receiving only repetitive and vague answers, I just ended the conversation. And thankfully, you know, then because, you know, no, I did not give out any personal information or phone numbers or credit card information or no, nothing like that. No, I'm, I'm not nearly that dumb. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, this this is seeming for one, it seems too good to be true. And two, uh, I wasn't aware of anything like this happening. And three, it just seemed off. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, this conversation's over, bye. So I just didn't contact, I didn't talk with this, whoever this was anymore. Anyway, the next day, I contacted TBR Schmidt using their email address listed on their YouTube channel for business inquiries. And I asked them, can you confirm this? Was this actually you? And because it seemed a bit sus. Now, thankfully, my suspicions were confirmed as they replied that this is definitely a scam. They don't use Telegram, the messaging service, and that they were not currently running any prize giveaways. So, yeah, I'm glad I checked, right, just to be sure. And it just goes you—it goes to show that, right, if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. If it feels like you're talking to an AI or if the, the wording or the, the conversation just seems a little bit stilted, then, yeah, trust your gut. It's probably a scam. So there's that. Yeah. But anyway, just kind of funny things, things like that. You know, at first glance, if you weren't really paying attention, it did seem very legitimate. But I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. In any case, I didn't have any use for a PS5 or a MacBook or a Fender guitar. So I guess there was that, you know, I wasn't going to be suckered into that. And it just seemed like too easy, right? Anyway, so that was my little experience and someone attempting to scam me from a YouTube comment. Anyway, speaking of other weird things, I encountered a strange bug on my computer recently. So what happened was I put it into sleep mode and then I couldn't wake it up. I couldn't reboot it at all. Now I should say that I intentionally put my computer into sleep mode because I knew I wasn't going to be on it for a while. So I just, you know, went to the, you know, the start button, put it into sleep mode and yeah, you know, it didn't go to sleep from, from inactivity or anything like that. I put it into sleep mode. So, but it literally would not wake up. It was weird. Like not even hard rebooting worked, right? Where you like hold down the, um, the power button for like five seconds or whatever. No, that didn't work. Nothing, not a zip. 
And for a moment, I thought I had literally bricked my PC somehow, but it didn't make any sense because sleep mode is designed to protect your computer, among other things. It's, it's a normal function, right? So I'm like, why can I not wake the computer up, right? I tried pressing keys on the keyboard, clicking the mouse, moving the mouse, right? Hard rebooting, hard shutting down and rebooting. No, nothing was working. It was literally, literally non-responsive, the whole thing. I could turn the monitor on and off, but that didn't do anything, right? So the computer would literally would not wake up. So I briefly considered maybe tripping the circuit breaker that, you know, it's plugged into, but that didn't make any sense either because I tried, you know, uh, flipping the power strip that it's plugged into and that didn't work. And I also tried flipping the power switch on the computer's power source on the back of the, uh, the tower that didn't accomplish anything either. And so, you know, why would, you know, tripping the circuit breaker do anything different? So anyway, I got, got on my laptop and I did some judicious Googling, and I found a variety of completely useless solutions. Like a lot of them would suggest, oh, go into your settings and change this setting or that setting, etc. It's like, well, that doesn't help me because I literally cannot turn the damn thing on to change that setting. It's like the power button on the computer was disconnected or whatever, and it refused to work anymore. So anyway, finally, after you know doing some more Googling, I found the fix. And here's what I need, needed to do. I had to physically unplug the peripherals, the mouse, the keyboard, and the external hard drive. And then I plugged them back in and then it turned on. Yeah, it was weird. But apparently this is a kind of rare bug, but it is known. And it has something to do with the computer not recognizing that the peripherals are capable of waking it up from sleep mode when the user puts it into sleep. So that was strange. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, not that it really matters because this thing, you know, shuts down and boots up pretty quickly. But yeah, it was just so weird. I thought like, what the heck happened? Like power button doesn't work, nothing. But turns out all I had to do was just unplug the peripherals and, you know, try again. <laughs> then it worked. So uh, there was that. Anyway, speaking of weird computer bugs at another situation where I'm pretty sure it was attributed to a faulty graphics driver or something like that. Now I have a dual monitor setup. And I like to watch YouTube on my main monitor, which is oriented in landscape. And then I like to do like reading and writing on my secondary monitor, which is oriented in portrait mode. Now, I don't know if their orientation or anything has anything to do with it. But one thing I noticed recently is that every so often my main monitor, the landscape one, would go black for like a second or two and then come back on. Or it would just go black for like a second and then turn on. And it would do this like two or three times rapidly in a row. So like it will like flick off, then flick on, then flick off, then flick on, then flick off, then flick on, right? Like go black, come back on. Usually it only stayed black for like a second or like a half second. And it was really strange. So I thought, okay, this is kind of odd. So I, naturally I checked the cable connections and the display port settings and all that. I'm like, oh, maybe something's wrong with that. Maybe like one of the connections is loose. Nope, they're all good and nothing else seemed to work. But eventually NVIDIA released a new graphics driver update and now the issue is gone. It doesn't happen anymore. So again, I don't think it was the hardware. I think it was software related. So yeah, well, that was odd. <laughs> All right, in more, uh, I guess, electronic news, the state of Utah back in March of 2023 recently passed a law that will go into effect next year that would require anyone under the age of 18 to get parental permission to join a social media platform. And apparently this will also allow parents access to their kids' accounts, and it sets like a curfew or something. So, or allow, allow parents to access their kids' social media accounts and set a curfew. Ah, 
this is interesting. And I'm sure many of you kind of have gleaned my own feelings on social media and screen addiction, particularly in children and tweens and young teenagers and all that. Yeah. I suppose on the surface, you know, thinking about this law that Utah has passed, I suppose it seems logical to require parental permission and to give parents access to their kids' accounts, but speaking from the perspective of an educator who has seen their share of teens with pretty serious social media addiction, honestly, I think this law is pretty light-handed. You know, I mean, putting the responsibility for monitoring social media solely on the parents is full of holes. It's a plan that's just full of holes, in my opinion. Now, on the other hand, let me say this. I am all for parents taking responsibility for the actions of their children, right? I mean, it seems in this day and age, like, you know, hello, mom, dad, do you know what your kid is doing, right? On their phone all day long, right? But asking them to constantly monitor their kid's social media use is like adding one more thing to the parenting pile, Now, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but, you know, on the upshot, I mean, at least they're not asking us teachers to do it. I mean, we're already the phone police at school. So, (laughs) yeah. What, you want me to monitor their social media accounts now? No, I don't think so. (laughs) And not to mention that many of these parents may not be very tech savvy, particularly when it comes to social media, right? Every time there's a new platform that comes out, then you got to take the time and learn that and what it does and yada, 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 you know? And it's just, you know, the older generations, you know, even my generation, early millennials, I'm not too concerned about the newest, the latest and the greatest of social media that comes out, you know, every so often, you know, I don't have time to learn that. I don't have any inclination to learn it or inclination to use it. So like, oh, so what if my kid uses it, right? You know, so these parents like, okay, whatever, a new social media platform, that means they have to take the time to learn it. They have to take the time to know what their kid's doing on it and all that, you know? And these parents just may be lazy. They may be uninterested in taking the time to monitor their child's social media use. You know, maybe they're at work a lot. Maybe they're hardly home. Maybe they're too indulgent with their kids. Or maybe they just don't give a crap what their kid does outside of the home or on social media. Or maybe they're just flat out delusional. Like, you know, you will see it sometimes. Like, I hate to say it, but for some parents, it is beyond their mental grasp to understand that their child could act entirely differently outside of the home or on the internet as if they were a a completely different person. You know, oh no, my child is an angel. They would never do that. Yeah, are you sure? Because some kids have nothing better to do than just act the fool, right? If you give them anonymity online, on their phone, on the internet, on their computers, right? Chances are they're going to make some dumb decisions. Just saying, yeah. Like it's beyond their grasp, you know, when I, when I call up some parents, right? Oh, no, they won't do that. They're a good, good boy. They're a good girl, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, they're just a wonderful little angel. It's like, yeah, your little angel um, just punched some kid or whatever. Yeah. And, and I've seen it, you know, across the spectrum, right? Even the smart, well-behaved students can occasionally make not so intelligent decisions, right? Like I've said before, even some of my best students that I've had are guilty of poor decision making at times. And I think a lot of it just comes from the fact that they're just not really experienced with the world. I mean, is anyone really experienced with the world when they're like 12 or 13 or 16 or 17 or even 18 years old? Heck, even beyond that, you know, when you were when you were 23, right? Did you have everything figured out? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) So there's that. But here's the thing, like, honestly, we have so much data out there that is pretty demonstrative that shows a very strong correlation between just how bad 
social media is on developing brains of children and teens. So there's that, right? It's like, oh, we're still gathering the data. It's like, really, don't we have enough data right now? Hasn't the pandemic kind of showed us what that is, right? <laughs> we had like 18 months of people being online, working from home, and your kids were doing nothing, you know, during CDL, you know, at school, you know. We know why they turned their camera off. They were just sleeping, playing video games, using social media, whatever, you know. Most of them didn't turn their cameras on when they were quote unquote in class during com comprehensive distance learning. And there's a lot of data out there and there's a lot of uh, theories and various other things out there to, that actually shows how bad social media really is on a developing brain. And to be honest, I really just hope that these types of laws actually kind of go nationwide, but that's probably wishful thinking, you know? I don't know, maybe in you know 10 years or 20 years or something, I don't know. To be brutally honest, I'm really just in favor of just draconian measures against social media. My fantasy, essentially, is that minors, people under the age of 18, would not be allowed to use social media at all. So because it's damaging to their brains, right? In some respects, you know, social media can be just as dangerous as like handing the kid a gun or something, right? So it can cause trauma, it can lead to poor decisions and so on and so forth. My fantasy is that we would just ban it from people who are under 18. I guess alternatively, we could put up a bunch of hoops to jump through before they can use social media. I mean, if we license people to drive to operate vehicles or have, you know, various official tests to take for like certain qualifications, then theoretically, could we require something like that, like a license or some kind of test to take before you can use social media? It's like you want to use social media, then you got to get a license or you have to continually demonstrate safe social media use. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get banned or it's going to revoke that privilege or whatever. I mean, to some extent, YouTube kind of tries to do this, you know, with their algorithms and all that. But it, you know, it's kind of one of those issues where like the YouTube algorithm, the Googles and all that, it's not that good, right? And it ends up blocking videos that otherwise are educational and are intelligent, right? So if you say certain things or if you show something that the YouTube algorithm deems to be inappropriate or not safe or whatever, it's like, no. Yeah, I mean, and this person will post that video and literally a second after it goes live, boom, it gets blocked or something, right? It gets a strike or whatever. The YouTube algorithm doesn't exactly work maybe as well as it should. It doesn't discriminate very well, we should say. I mean, the, the downside is that, you know, we would have something like the YouTube algorithms, but for social media... And boy, that would be blocking and cutting stuff off and, and banning accounts left and right. <laughs> yeah, if you showed something that uh, went against its, um, its, its sensibilities or whatever. In my fantasy world, it's probably very totalitarian in its control of social media, you know. Ban it for minors? Yeah, sure. <laughs> in a, you know, when pigs fly or whatever. Maybe when you're an adult, then go nuts or something. I guess it does raise the question, you know, let's say hypothetically, if there was this kind of ban, right, on social media, or if there was like these, these qualifications that you needed to have, or these tests that you needed to pass before you can use social media, it's like, okay, so who's going to enforce that? How are you going to administer the tests, right? Uh, are, are you going to put all these systems and all the bureaucracy and all the manpower and yada yada in place to make all this stuff effective, right? How are we going to do that? Are we going to pay someone to do it? Do we have enough people? Are there going to be lots of people hammering away at their computers all day long looking for this stuff? Or are we going to have an AI do it? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, when you think about these things, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. It, 
it sounds great on paper and maybe a, you know, some legislation gets passed, but at the end of the day, you have to think, okay, well, who's going to take up the, the responsibility of doing all this stuff, right? Are you going to create a department of social media or something? Put it under government control? They're probably screwed up. <laughs> They'll probably heavily bureaucratize it to the point where, I don't know, maybe that'll actually work though. <laughs> yeah. I guess in the end, maybe a more realistic situation or a solution would be just to put a lot of social media behind a paywall of some sort, right? Or add various types of verification and limitations to it. Who knows? I mean, once you put up that paywall, only the people that really want to use that stuff are going to like be able to pay for it, right? Or the spoiled rich kids are like, you know, oh, mommy pays for my social media and my, my daddy pays for my, you know, my premium account or whatever. One more way for them to make money and one more thing for us to shell out money for on a subscription, right? We already pay for, you know, our streaming services, you know, maybe we should start paying more for social media. I don't know. Who knows? So the last topic I kind of want to address here is not related to social media at all, but the fact that us Oregonians may soon be able to pump our own gas. So apparently this legislation has recently passed the House and the Senate and is now going to Governor Tina Kotek's desk for her to sign. So I'm not sure when this will take effect, if it will, but I mean, I'm assuming that she will sign it, but we may have the option to pump our own gas. This bill, and I think uh, versions of it, have been in the winds for some time now, right? Like, Oregon is almost infamous, along with, like, the state of New Jersey as being the only states that do not allow you to pump your own gas. It's kind of weird, right? Now, I looked a little bit into it, and I'm not going to give a history lesson here, but there are a variety of economic reasons for the historical opposition for self-service gas. And from my understanding, it actually became more of a thing in many other states starting around like the 1970s and 80s or something thereabouts, right? You know, because everyone's like, oh my God, well, if we, if we allow people to pump their own gas, then we'll lose jobs at gas stations, whatever, yada, 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 you know? Anyway, so that was kind of the fear. But in Oregon... Uh, from my understanding, one of the reasons they have kept this law in place that does not allow you to pump your own gas is for fear of things like fire hazard and, of course, difficulties for like elderly people or people with disabilities and pumping their own gas, which I guess in a way does make sense, right? I mean, yes, of course. I mean, you're dealing with fuel, obviously, fossil fuels. By their nature, they are a fire hazard. That's why you shouldn't smoke around gas stations, you know? But um, yeah, I can see like, you know, for elderly people or people with disabilities, maybe they can't get out of the car and actually pump their own gas. I guess that is a realistic expectation, you know, for why we would keep this. But maybe that was more true in like the 50s or whatever, you know. But yeah, I mean, no doubt many people ridicule Oregonians because any Oregonian who's driven in another state, apart from, I guess, New Jersey, has had to figure out this highly complex technical process of how to pump your own gas, right? Well, you open up the fuel tank, you unscrew the cap, you insert your credit card into the pump, you select what fuel you want, you know, insert the nozzle, you squeeze the handle and you trip the little, um, the hold down thingy, right? When it's done, you remove the nozzle, you put the fuel cap back on, close the tank, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, just requires years of training to be able to do that, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess there are gas stations in less well-developed or more rural areas, where they don't have all those newfangled features, you know, like the modern day gas pumps have, you know, or maybe you still have to pump your own gas and you have to go into the store and pay the guy at the register or something. But anyway, according to Oregon law, assuming that this bill passes, the way it's going to work is that there will still be gas station attendants and 
they can still pump their gas for you, but you also have option at some of the pumps for like self-service. I mean, it's comparable essentially to the self-checkout line at a supermarket or a grocery store, right? Sometimes you still go up to the register and have someone ring up your items, you know, and other times if you only have like a couple items, you just jump in the self-checkout line and you do that, you know, you hit the touch screen and how many bags do you want and yada, 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 you know, and you do your own thing at the self-checkout line. So it'll essentially be like a self-checkout line, but at a gas station, which in a way does make sense, I guess. And from my understanding, it's also the reason why if you go to certain gas stations, at least here in Oregon, they have like shut down some of the pumps or like they'll put a cone in front of certain pumps because they can't like one person can't realistically like man all of these pumps, you know, constantly. So, you know, certain pumps are blocked off. You know, you can't use them. You can only use certain pumps to kind of ease the workload, you know, or, or funnel traffic in a certain way through the gas station or whatever. From my understanding, at least in Oregon, that's why, you know, if you go to certain gas stations, you'll see cones, right, blocking certain pumps because they're not in operation or whatever. There's that. But anyway, we Oregonians out here may soon be able to pump our own gosh. Well, <laughs> I imagine like, you know, the, the news stations, you know, will write up stories and broadcast stories on the news, on TV and on the internet and all that. How do you pump your own gas? Now that we have self-service, how do you do this technical process of pumping your own gas? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, just another part of driving, I guess, you know. But then again, you know, I, oh man, occasionally you will see like those like idiot videos on like YouTube where someone like, um, pumps their own gas, but they don't take the nozzle out of their car before they leave, right? They just forget it's even in there, right? So that they've filled up their car with gas and the nozzle's still in. They jump in their car and they drive away, right? And they tear the nozzle and the hose out of the, the pump as they drive off, you know? So yeah, I imagine uh, incidents like that will uh, increase <laughs> in Oregon once this bill passes, right? Yep more gas pumps destroyed because people are forgetting to take the nozzles out of their car before they drive off. <laughs> I saw this one video on YouTube of this person who was at a gas station and they were continuously like circling around and pulling up with a pump on the wrong side of the car, you know, and they would get out of the car, they would look and they're like, oh, the pump's on the other side. But no, they literally just kept circling around and around. They did this like five or six times and they continuously pulled up where the pump was on the wrong side of the car. Yeah, and people are like filming this from afar. They're like, oh, surely this person has to have noticed it. They're getting out of the car and they're seeing like, oh, the gas tank is on the other side. Get back in the car, circle around, pull up again to the wrong side. <laughs> uh, there is a little uh, life hack for that, by the way. If you look at your gas gauge on your car, you notice that there is a little tiny arrow next to the, uh, the icon of the fuel pump. That arrow is pointing to what side your gas tank is on. Yes. So <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> anyway, well, that's all I have to say for this one. So uh, yeah, see everyone later.